How many of you guys are excited to be at church today to worship Jesus? Can I just hear that? You're right on. You're here, you're here, and you're, you're like seeking Jesus. You're seekers of Jesus. It's one of our, actually it's one of our core values. Seekers find God. And we believe that uh, whether it is uh, you're here today and you're wondering, is Jesus God? Um, is Jesus who I should be following? Or you've been following Christ for the last 30 or 40 years in your life. We never stop being seekers of God. And when you seek God with all your heart, the Bible tells us, you find him. So I hope you came here with that attitude today. Uh, I hope you came with that expectation in your heart. God, I'm coming here not just to do a religious duty of going to church, but I'm coming here because I, I want to be in your presence, right? I want to I wanna glean from your word today. I, I want to uh, worship with other believers. I want to seek you today. And if you came with that attitude, whether you drove across the street or you drove the last hour to get here, God's going to show up in your life. Amen. That's one of the things I know. God is faithful to show himself to those who are seeking him with all their heart. Hey, guys, look, we're in a series right now called Body Armor. I hope you guys have been enjoying it, by the way. And I hope that's been meaningful to you. It's out of Ephesians chapter 6. So if you have a Bible, please open it up to Ephesians chapter 6. Let me kind of give a, a quick recap. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18 are a word picture or a metaphor that God gives us through the, the Apostle Paul uh, to help us understand what do we need to look like in this world if we want to live victorious for Christ? What do we need to look like? What do we need to put on? If we were a warrior in the army of Christ, what do we need to put on so that we can win the battle that is before all of us, so that we can be overcomers? I don't know about you, but man, I want to be an overcomer for Christ. I want to win in the end, meaning this. I want to overcome the enemy. I want to live for the love of Jesus Christ. And I want to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. Is there anybody else like, that's in this place that's with me like that? That's me. And that's you. And so this metaphor, this picture starts to unfold before our very eyes here of a Christ follower and what a Christ follower wears. This is not something that you hang in your closet and you put it on on special occasions. This is the mindset, the attitude, the behavior, the commitment of a Christ follower. And we talked about in week one the belt of truth. If you want to follow along with that, you want to you know, listen to it, you weren't here, please go to mynewlifechurch.com. Click on demand. All of our past sermons are there. You can watch the first week on the belt of truth. So I'm not going to get into that. Uh, then second week, we have Pastor Chris, our executive pastor, he brought the word. And he helped us understand what the breastplate of righteousness is really all about. And, and how do we live a life that is right in God's eyes. Then last week I came back with a message um, on the shoes of peace. Now look, if you weren't here, can I just, can I just humbly suggest to you that message, there was something special that God was doing in that message. And I just want to encourage you, go back and listen to it. Um, God was doing something in our church with that message. He was doing something in the lives of many people. I would highly encourage you, take 30 minutes of your time this week and go back and listen to that message on the shoes of peace. I guarantee you, you're going to be thankful you did it. It's going to benefit your life in more ways than you can probably imagine. This week, the topic is the shield of faith. Say shield of faith with me. Shield of faith. Now, let's jump in. So from a warrior's perspective, we know nothing about a shield when it comes to battle. I don't know about you. Has anybody ever used a shield in battle before? Okay, didn't think so. 
Modern day soldiers don't use shields in battle anymore. We haven't fought a war with swords and shields in a long time, and I don't predict that we ever will again in the future. All right, so we don't know anything about a shield when it comes to battle. So let's start wrapping our head around the shields that we do know. Every single one of you uses shields in your life. Let me give you three examples just off the cuff. Um, You can probably think of others, but let me give you three of them. Um, There's the shield called the umbrella. That's a good one, right? There's a shield called bug spray. There's a shield called sunscreen, people. These are all shields that we use. They're awesome when they work right, but they're, they're crazy when they don't work right. Like if you're out in the rain and the wind and you open up your umbrella and that umbrella does not work right, it's a failure and you're going to pay the price for that, right? If you, if you don't know how to apply the bug spray shield correctly, you're going to pay the price for that one. And that one hurts. That's a little itchy. And some of you start, you start to feel the itch right now. Yeah, well, we'll get that off the screen because if you don't apply the sunscreen shield correctly, that can be painful too. Now, I think the picture you're looking at, that man could not apply that to himself. You know what that is? That's the sign of a man who didn't treat his wife or his friend correctly. (laughs) That's what that is, because you can't put that on your own back. Somebody else has to do it, and somebody put that on his back, and they were like, yeah, well, you're going to pay for what you said earlier. Wait till tomorrow. And uh, so anyways, but these are shields. These are, the, these are modern day shields that we use, right? But when we don't use them correctly, now coming back to the spiritual metaphor out of Ephesians chapter 6, when we don't use the shields correctly, then they're detri- it's detrimental to our life. When we don't use the shield of faith correctly, it's detrimental to our life. And what happens? Well, how does the shield of faith start breaking down? It starts breaking down when our faith gets shaky unstable, uncertain, when doubt starts to creep in, when we get lazy in our relationship with God, right? When God starts to, you know, uh, become irrelevant, unnecessary, even when we start forgetting about God. And guys, come on, all of us have had moments where we started to forget about God, where we stopped praying, where all of a sudden we found ourselves, if you're in the habit, which I believe you ought to be, by the way, of thanking the Lord for the food that we are given before we consume it, that all of a sudden you finish the meal and you're like, man, I don't even think we took time to thank the Lord for that. Like there's moments that we've forgotten God when all of a sudden you got a, a reward or a blessing from work, right? We forgot to thank God. Or that moment when you made that investment and it was a little risky, but it paid off, right? And you forgot to thank God. You started to think, wow, I'm good. Or look at these great decisions that I've made. And guys, when we start making God irrelevant or unnecessary or forgotten, the shield of faith starts to break down. And what happens when the shield of faith starts to break down? I'll tell you, I'll tell you what happens. Your emotions start going haywire. Your decision making isn't something that's starting, it, it stops honoring God, by the way. Your love starts to get warped. You start to manipulate other people. You start becoming the person you never really wanted to be. That's what happens when the shield of faith, that belief in God, that Jesus, you are the one true God. I've surrendered my life to you. I'm going to follow you with all of my heart. And that's why God tells us that we need faith like a shield. 
So our key verse today is Ephesians chapter 6. It's found in verse 16. And would you just pr- please just read it out loud with me? It'll be on the screens. And if you have it uh, in the Bible, I'm, doing, I'm using the New Living Translation. It says this, that in addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. I want you to notice something. It says, in addition to all of these. What's it referring to? It's referring to the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, shoes of faith. In addition to those things, hold up. This is the only piece of armor, by the way, that God instructs us to hold up. Meaning this, I think there's, there's moments every day that you got to pick up the shield of faith. There's decisions that you have to make, you got to pick it up. There's resistance to temptation, you got to pick up the shield of faith and you got to push it this way and you got to push back the enemy this way. You got to push back the enemy when he's fighting against your marriage. You got to push back the enemy when he's attacking your mind. You got to push back the enemy, you know, when he's trying to like manipulate your thoughts and your emotions and you're tempted to do something, you got to push back the enemy. And we use that shield to push back the enemy and defend ourselves from what the enemy's trying to send our way, which, Bible says, are fiery arrows. So what is basically the shield of faith? It would be this. It's a complete reliance upon God. It's where I put my complete authority. I put my complete authority in you, God. I'm completely dependent upon you, right? I completely trust you. You aren't just a a choice of mine. You are my God, right? I surrender to you, meaning I give up all of myself. And that's what I want to do on a daily basis because, guys, look, none of us have completely surrendered to Christ. Our life is a journey of completely surrendering to Christ, And some days you get it better than others. Some decisions you nail better than other decisions. Some moments are better than other moments, but our entire life is a life of saying, God, my complete reliance is upon you. And when I fail at that, how do I demonstrate that? I I come and I kneel before the Lord, whether that is physically or that's in the heart, and I say, God, I repent. Like, I have offended you, I've offended your word Right, God, I want you to have complete authority in my life, a complete reliance upon God. That's a shield of faith. And so the Bible then goes on to define faith for us. And it says this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, faith shows the reality. So there's something physical that's being manifest here. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence, again, something physical, tangible, something manifest, It is the evidence of things that we cannot see. What does that mean to you? How do you really apply that really to your life? And first and foremost, I want you to see this, that faith then is tangible hope in Jesus. Faith is a tangible hope in Jesus for your life, for your situations, for your family, and for your future. But it's tangible. It's something that, that others around you, they can see you've got faith in Christ. I can't believe it. Like, how are you going through this really difficult moment in your life, but yet you still got a smile on your face? There's something about this tangible, right? Like, how do you say no to all these things? Like, I say yes to all these things. You say no to all of them. Where do you find joy and happiness in your life? 
And you're like, man, I find it in Christ. And it's like, it's tangible. It's just out there. It's undeniable. People look at your life and they go, that's a person of faith. And people with faith, they believe that they believe in God for things that they cannot see. Meaning like, I, I need something to happen in my life. I need this business deal to, you know, go right. And so I'm gently walking through it, believing God that this is where you're taking me. And God, I need this next door to open up. If this is what you want for me, God, you've got to open it because I can't open this door. And it opens. Or people that believe, like right now my marriage is in crisis, but they're believing for something they cannot see, a healthy marriage. Or they're believing for a parenting decision and they just don't know, like, how are we going to get this worked out? I got this adolescent and this adolescent thinks crazy. I was never like that when I was a teenager. (laughs) How are we going to get this worked out? And I don't see it, but yet, God, I believe it. Or it's financial and you're struggling and you just don't know how the ends are going to be met, but you're trusting God and you're believing God. You can come through with this. That's people of faith. They're believing God for things they cannot see. So therefore, they put their trust in God's provision. And they put their trust in God's protection. And they believe that God knows best. That's faith. See, I want to be very careful in my description here of faith. Because some people interpret faith as they tell God what to do. That's not faith. That's a very warped picture of Christianity. As if you can tell God... What he's going to do, and he's going to do it for you. Like, you don't tell God what to do. Our prayers line up with God's will. And people, true people of faith, know that God knows what's best. That means that when things don't happen the way you want them to happen, people of faith don't turn their back on God and run away. People of faith go, God, I'm still going to trust that you know what's best. When people, people of faith, they go through difficult and painful situations... They don't reject God and deny God and walk away. People of faith grab a hold of God when they don't understand, and they wrestle with God. You know the difference? Like, you grab a hold of God and you wrestle with him. I I love that picture because wrestling with God means, God, I don't know that I like what I'm going through right now, but I'm trusting that that you got what's best. And so instead of stiff-arming God and rejecting him, and walking away from him in pain and in, you know, like anger towards God. We wrap our arms around God and we go, God, I'm not letting go of you. Like, I don't understand it right now, but I'm trusting you. And if I hang on to God, in the end, you will get the answer. When you hang on to God, you will find the peace. That's what people of faith do. So people of faith have an evidence. There's enough evidence in their life that they are actually followers of Jesus Christ. People of faith have that kind of evidence. I just want to ask you a question uh, today. Think about it. Ponder it with me. Is there enough evidence of faith in Jesus Christ in your life that a jury, a jury would say, I convict you of being a follower of Jesus Christ? Now look, you're going, well, yeah, I've got faith in here, but that's not what I'm talking about. A jury can't see in here. A jury of your peers, if you were put on trial today, Would a jury of your peers evaluate your public life and say there is overwhelming evidence that you are a follower of Jesus Christ? You're guilty. In a good way, by the way. (laughs) You're guilty. But I really want you to think about that for a moment. Because we tend to think of faith as something that is internal. It's just here. It's just here. 
But Scripture's not pointing to faith that just stays in here. Scripture's pointing to a faith that is evident out here. Is there enough evidence that your peers would look at your life and without a shadow of a doubt, they would say, yes, guilty, you're a Christ follower? Because I guess, come on, put it into a court case, trial kind of situation. If you're there and, and you're on trial, people don't, they don't say, hey, you're guilty because they don't like you. I don't like that person. I don't, what, else, what is it that you don't like about them? I don't know. They're guilty. Send them to prison. Aren't you glad we don't live in a country like that? <laughs> and you're not convicted guilty because you're at the crime scene. Just because you're at the crime scene, because you were walking down the street in whatever town that it was, and the crime happened on the same corner that you were at, doesn't mean that you were guilty because you were at the same corner at the same time. You're not guilty because whatever weapon that was used in that crime, you happen to own one of those weapons as well. You're not guilty because you own the weapon either. How, why are you, how are you found guilty? You're found guilty because there's significant amount of evidence to prove the fact without a shadow of a doubt, you're the criminal, you're the one that did that. In your faith, externally, is there enough evidence that your peers would say, guilty, without a shadow of a doubt, you are a Christ follower. That's faith, guys. That's the faith that God's asking you and me to live by. That's a shield of faith. And first and foremost, I want to lay that challenge out there. And I don't want you to forget about that. In fact, can I just pray, I just pray for you right now that that question would haunt you this week. It would haunt your thoughts. It would get inside your heart and you couldn't get it out. That you will wake up in the morning and you will ask yourself the question, is there enough evidence to convict me? You'll go to bed thinking about that question. I hope that question is what gets inside of your head and in your heart and you start letting the Holy Spirit speak to you so that we can live a life of a true faith, living a life that holds up a real shield of faith. But there's more to this scripture, and so I want to go back and I want to unpack it. So let's go back to the original scripture that we're looking at, Ephesians 6, 16. It says, in addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. That's our scripture. So what is the shield? The shield would have been something that would have been um, devised about in their minds as like what a Roman soldier may have used. And um, it, here's, here's what that shield looked like. It was about four feet wide, or four feet tall, excuse me, two and a half feet wide, rounded kind of on the corners. So kind of an oval shape, all right, but four feet tall, two and a half feet wide at its widest point, right? Then it would have been like a piece of wood uh, of some nature, and then you would have had like, um, like uh, ox hide uh, or skin from an animal, and then a bronze layer, and then skin from an animal and a bronze layer, and then that would have all been bound together with some kind of an iron strap, as thin as they could make it, an iron strap that would have wrapped around the whole thing just to bond it together and hold it together. And that's what they would have used as a shield. Now, the shield back then was referred to as the door. A door. Why? Four feet tall, two and a half feet wide. This beast is heavy. Like, you don't, not everybody can carry one. They're not strong enough to carry it. And God forbid you got hit by a car and your shoulder hurts and you can't hold it up because now... Now you're dependent on someone else to carry it, right? And if you're right-handed and you carry the sword here, you're dead in seconds because I can't do anything with a sword. 
I can't do anything with a sword in my right hand. I don't even know what I'm talking about right now, all right? Like, if I, you, you transport me back there, I'm just like, boom, I'm dead, all right? Because there's nothing I can do, all right, in that kind of a battle. But that was the shield. Um, many times if they knew that their enemy was going to shoot arrows that were fiery arrows, meaning they would dip them in some kind of a tar, light them on fire, and then ignite and then, and then shoot them at uh, the Roman soldiers. Um, you've probably seen those kind of pictures on movies. It looks very intimidating at night to have all of these arrows coming at you, but not when you've got one of these shields. Because when you've got one of these shields, the front line puts the shield down on the ground, and they get down to the head level, and the guys behind them take their shield, and they put it at an angle like this, and now they've just created this wall. And all of those arrows just hit that wall and drop to the ground harmlessly. In fact, in some places of battle, if they had the resource with them, then they would actually get the shields wet, which only makes the shield heavier, by the way, <laughs> right? And they would get wet so that when the fiery darts and those fiery arrows hit it, they fall to the ground harmlessly. They would make walls with them, like I told you, like a little fortress where the other soldiers could get underneath it, right? But the other thing they would do is that they would get in the line with these shields, and they would link arms together, and they would just push the enemy back. Push the enemy back with these things. I mean, I don't know about you, but man, these guys who fought in those ancient days were some strong beasts. I mean, I would not want to go up and battle against somebody like that. That would be super intimidating. But they would do that. So the question really that we have to ask today is this. God, why do I need a shield of faith? That's a good question. Why do I? I understand why they need a shield, but why do I need a shield of faith? And the answer is really found a couple of verses before our key verse today. It's found in verse 12. So Ephesians 6, verse 12, here's why you need the shield. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We're not fighting a tangible fight. Our battle is not with what you see in front of you. In fact, it takes, I would say, incredible faith to look beyond the physical that you're in conflict with, and to actually see the spiritual battle that you're a part of. You have physical eyes, you don't have spiritual eyes. But through the Spirit, we can have spiritual eyes. We need the shield of faith because you're not fighting against your neighbor. You might think that's where your fight is, but that's not it. You're not fighting against your boss. Okay, your fight is not with your spouse. Your fight's not with your government. Your fight's not with your children. That's not where your fight is. That's where we think our fight is. But our fight is beyond that person. It's beyond that entity, that, that government, or whatever entity it is that you feel like you're in battle with. Like, like, it's beyond that. There's an enemy on the other side of that, by the way. And that enemy is the one who's trying to erode your faith. That enemy is the one who's trying to like attack you at whatever phase, shape, fashion, or form he can. That's why God says you need a shield of faith. Because here's what a shield of faith does. It fills in the gaps of all the other pieces. Where you can't see the gap, the enemy can see. And the shield of faith fills that in. It's a faith in Christ, in Christ alone. That God goes, you need it because you're facing a spiritual enemy. And that spiritual enemy has one big agenda at work. And that's this. 
How can I erode your faith? How can I take your faith in God and turn it from God into a faith found in you or in something else? That's the real agenda of the enemy. That's what he's trying to do. Get your eyes off of Christ and get your eyes on the self. In fact, I'm convinced that the enemy isn't trying to get you to renounce your faith in God. Oh, not at first. That comes later. He's not trying to tell you when you walk through pain, just renounce God and walk away from him. That's not where he starts. He starts here first. Doubt that God is good. Because if you can doubt that God is good, then you've taken your faith off of God and you've put it onto something else called you or another person or another entity. That's the enemy's real game here. It's sly, it's subtle. And you, for you, you gotta look at your life and you gotta go, where in my life is the shield of faith not being held up? I hold it up very strongly against these things, but over here, I'm soft. It's a shield of self versus a shield of faith. Okay? And a shield of self is a very small shield that can't keep the darts of the enemy off of you. The shield of faith, you can get behind and you can stay behind. That's why I think it's so important that you got to go back to Ephesians 6.16 and start at the very beginning. It's the words that we kind of like read through and skipped over. It said, in addition to all of these. In addition to all of these. What does that even mean? Well, I think from an English perspective, we understand it. Like, hey, you got these three things, add one more to it. If that's the approach you take, then you've just taken the shield of faith and you've diminished it to something that God never intended it to be. It's not an add-on. So what you have to do is you got to go back to the original language and you have to understand, what, what was it that God was really saying about in addition to? And if you go back and you look at what that word in addition to really means, it means this, overall. O over all of it. A covering over it all. Like on your car. Every one of you drive a car of some shape, fashion, or form. A truck, a car right? A beater, whatever you call your car, right? Some of you drive, some of you drive a red car, some of you drive a blue car, some of you drive a silver car, some of you drive a black car, some of you drive a white car. I think whatever car you drive or whatever truck you drive is just a outward manifestation of the inward child that lives within you. That's my personal opinion as I've evaluated the vehicles that I've driven right? But watch this. There's a thing on the outside of your car that you probably don't appreciate very much. It's called a clear coat. Now, if there's body shop people in here, they're like, boom, finally, Jeff gives a manly illustration. This is good. And everyone else is like, I got no clue what he's talking about. There's this clear coat that gets painted on your car at the very end. So there's metal, and then a primer goes on, and then, and then the pigment paint goes on, which is the color of your car. And if you want metal flake, it goes on right then as well, right, to make it pop when the sun hits it. That's kind of cool. And then, and then um, you know, or that kind of car. You see those cars, that old school paint? It's, I, I call it old school now because it came out maybe, you know, 15 years ago or 20 years ago. And when you, they drove by the color of the car, it changed. That was kind of weird. 
all right? Um, and by the way, you guys with the red cars, who are my red car people in here? Let me see the red car people. Hold your hands up, be proud, because you guys are the most likely people to get tickets. Congratulations. <laughs> Congra- congratulations, proud of you. Thank you for taking one for the team, by the way. All right, we appreciate that. We really do. We really do. I've just uh, found out that I'm going to paint my car invisible, so um, that's, uh, that's going to be really good. But the clear coat on the car, then it goes on last, right? And it protects the paint. It, it, it keeps the paint looking sharp and nice. And if that clear coat, you know, erodes or gets damaged and it starts peeling or you know, something like that happens, then man, you're, you're, you're in jeopardy now of your whole paint job having to be redone. And if that analogy just kind of went whoop, right over the top of your head, then let me backtrack for a second and tell you that the, the shield of faith overall, okay, overall things, it could be like a blanket. And if you've ever been super cold and you take a blanket and you pull it up, you don't just pull it up to your chin, you pull it up over your head for a moment, and then your whole body gets warm, Right? Uh, and then you realize I can't breathe, and so you pull it back down. That's the shield of faith. So when I said earlier that the shield of faith, is like it fills in all the gaps. That's exactly what's happening. And you and me, we're in a spiritual battle. Okay, I don't walk around thinking about this spiritual battle, but I do walk around thinking about my relationship with Christ. And when I'm thinking about my relationship with Christ, and I am thankful for what Christ has done for me, the shield of faith is protecting me. It's covering me. It's on my life. And it's filling in the gaps. I don't know about you, but praise God for a shield of faith that can only come from God, that can protect me from a battle that my physical eyes can't see, but God's got my back. God's got my six. You see what I'm saying? Like, I'm thankful for that. And that means that faith is the most vital thing you possess, it's more important than anything. And that's what Hebrews eleven six 6 tells us. It says this, watch this, okay, because this is the only place you're going to find this in the Bible. And it is, what's the next word? Impossible to please God without faith. You can't please God any other way. Until you say, Jesus, you're my Lord and my leader, and you actually live it in every segment, every area of your life. It's impossible to please God. Anyone who wants to come to him, come to God, must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who seriously seek him. So the shield of faith, meaning, you know, it is over all things, then what does that mean for truth, righteousness, and the shoes of peace? Watch this. You can know the truth, but without faith, it can't change your life. You can know, um, you can be a good person, by the way, and know what is right to do, But without faith, you can't be made right in God's eyes. You can be a person of peace, but without faith, you'll never know the peace that Jesus offers. So faith, then, is more than a feeling. It's more than a feeling. In fact, it becomes this defensive shield that's over your entire life. Just like in Israel, which, by the way, we're taking a trip to Israel I still have 15 seats open. Out of, th- out of 30, we're half, we're half sold. So if you want to go, get signed up, right? You can go to mynewlifechurch.com and find out about it. But in Israel, Israel understands this needing a shield of faith. They call it the Iron Dome. Here's how the Iron Dome works. It's this defense mechanism that's always active. 365 days a year, 
And if an enemy, which they've got a lot of enemies, if an enemy shoots a rocket to try to hit some of their people, which, you know, they'll just hit whatever they want to hit, when when that rocket gets detected without a human being having to hit a button, it fires a rocket. And it shoots that rocket up and it intercepts the enemy's rocket and boom, blows it up in the air. I don't know about you, but that's pretty cool. Right? They understand the need for a overall defense shield. They get that in a physical sense. And guys, that's the very same thing that you and me need if we're going to win spiritually. We need that kind of faith. That God, here's what God does. When we put our faith in him, God puts the iron dome over our life of faith. He takes our faith and brings protection. So you think to yourself right now, yeah, well, then why did this, why did this thing happen in my life? Or, or why, am, why am I going through this challenging moment? And here's what I would say back to you. I would say this back to you. Yeah, but what you didn't see is the 10 others that God deflected because of your faith. Because God knew these other ones you can't handle. But this one, this thing you're going to walk through, is going to make you stronger. So you might have got hit by one, one arrow, but what about the other ten that you didn't know about? That's because when we put our faith in Christ, he puts a dome of a shield on our lives, and he fills in the gap, and he gets our back. And I think that's why I want to end with this scripture, 1 John 5, 4 through 5. Because it starts with incredible good news. For every child of God defeats this evil world. If you put your faith in the, in the lordship of Jesus Christ and you're living your life surrendered to his leadership in your life, you are a child of God. How many children of God are in the house today? Let me see you. Even at our campuses. Here's what the Bible says about you. It says this, for every child, not some, not half, for every child of God defeats this evil world. Every single one of you, no matter what you're facing, you put your faith in God, you hold up the shield, and God protects you in ways you never dreamt possible. You will defeat this evil world, no matter what you're facing right now. And how do you do it? We achieve this victory through our faith. Not because you've got Bible knowledge, not just because you're some kind of like spiritual muscle person, but because of faith and faith alone in God, he puts the iron dome on your life. And who can win this battle against the world? Question? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Good news. For every child of God who chooses to pick up the shield of faith every day, in every situation, God says, you will overcome. It might be difficult. It might feel like you hiked half your life up a mountain, but you will overcome. It might feel like the battles inside of your mind are never going to be, you know, you're never going to find victory, but I'm going to tell you right now, you will overcome. It might seem like the pain of whatever you walk through is too great to ever heal from, and it's been two years, but I'm telling you right now, you keep holding up the shield of faith, and God's going to see you through. Put your faith in Jesus. And let your faith grow. Here's some of the promises of of faith. It will give you resilience in difficult times. It will give you the strength to overcome fear and anxiety. It will guard you against doubt and uncertainty. It will protect you from being swayed by destructive behavior or spiritual lies. It will give you the strength to resist temptation. It will give you hope. 
It will give you the inner strength to stand firm when all the world is shaking around you. It will, it will be your guide as you walk through the challenges of this life. And it will keep your eyes on Jesus, your returning king. So church, today, as we spend these next few minutes in worship, can I just challenge you? Pick up the shield of faith. Pick it up one more time, right? Put our faith and our trust and our hope in Christ in every area of your life. Every area of your life. And let's live our lives so that the evidence of our lives would declare us guilty before a court of our peers that we have faith that shows that we're followers of Jesus Christ. Why don't you stand with me? So Lord, we take this moment just to quiet our hearts before you and pray. Lord, we're thankful for your word. We want to be hearers of your word, but we also want to be doers of your word. And today, as we've heard your word, now we want to put it into action. And so Lord, would you please just continue to convict our hearts, our minds of places where we've stopped putting faith in you and we put faith in self. It's so, it's so subtle. The enemy loves it, though. He loves to take an acre when, you know, when we think, like, well, we own the rest of the pasture, but, yeah, but one acre, it turns into, like, many, and then before we know it, like, we're warped. So, Lord, we don't even want to give an acre. We don't want to give a foot. We don't want to give a little to the enemy. Uh, we want to stay faithful before you. Lord, we want, we want to live a life that brings you glory and brings you honor. So, Lord, today, we choose today to hold up the shield of faith, to pick it up one more day, one more day. In the face of a world that's anti-Jesus, we hold up the shield of faith and we say we love you. We adore you. We worship you. We are thankful for what you've done. We acknowledge your death on the cross has set us free. We acknowledge that the stone rolled away and you walked out of the grave. You're, you're not dead, you're alive. We acknowledge that your spirit lives in us. Lord, we acknowledge you're coming back for us. Lord, we put our faith in you and you alone. And when our physical eyes can't see the outcome, let our spiritual eyes believe that tomorrow is going to be better than today and that our hope is in you, God, for your, our future is in your hands. And may you lead and may you guide us into every good and perfect thing that you have for our life. In Jesus' name, and everybody that loves Jesus said, amen. amen.